today's podcast, we'll be asking if there are signs that your project team is overloaded. I'm Chris Don, and I'll be talking to Fifth Step CEO Darren Ray. So, Darren, what's causing this project overload? Chris, many of the organisations that we're talking to and working with at the moment have a massive change agenda. Um, There's lots of regulatory change, and there has been for the last few years, particularly in the financial services sector. But more broadly than that, organisations are looking to uh, implement change. They're looking to differentiate themselves from their competition. But certainly in the highly regulated sectors, we've got uh, the alphabet soup of you know GDPR and NYCRR 500 and uh, the London markets, uh, Tom and Mifid and um, even some of the remnants from FATCA and Solvency too are still um, still yeah. going around. Sure, sure. So, uh, so what are the challenges? You know, um, and what are the signs indeed that your project team is overloaded? Well, I guess we can probably break them down into some of the. Um, some of the things you might hear uh, project teams talking about or some of the signs that you might yourself uh, recognise. Now, uh, one of the first signs is, um, you know, comments about the the project will deliver tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we all know that some projects will, um, you know, will run a little bit late, they'll be underestimated, resources will get shifted around for good, uh, for good reason. But it's the projects that are supposed to deliver on time but then get... Um, uh, stretch for no good reason or no seemingly good reason or no obvious reason. Um, so make sure you're checking project reports, make sure you're getting uh, project reports as well, but making sure that those um, uh, that those signs are being recognised. If it's that your project team are over overstretched, there's things that you can do about that. And we'll talk about some of those a bit later on. Yeah. Are there sort of red signals that you, you can see when a, when, the, uh, when a project is possibly not on track or, or the team aren't delivering you know, at, at the level that they're supposed to? Well, certainly um, if uh, project status reports are indicating that everything's going well, everything's going well, and then everything's going badly, so things go from green to red you know, in one week or one reporting period, then that might be a sign that, uh, that resources are stretched a little bit further or a little bit uh, taller than uh, might be optimal. Mm-hmm. And what sort of projects um, uh, you know, have, have you been working on over the last uh, six months to, to 12 months? Oh, well, FISTEP is involved with um, many, many different types of client projects, but um, the fashion of uh, changing uh, general ledger systems seems to be coming back again. We worked a lot with uh, a number of organisations uh, migrating general ledger systems. Uh, we've been doing lots of uh, projects around... Um, uh, implementation of um, of uh, cloud systems like Office Office three six five for organisations, as well as a lot of um, you know softer projects, non uh, you know projects that aren't immediately um, IT projects, so HR or in, orientated projects as well. Mm. Uh, I've been doing a lot, a lot of those kind of things. As well. Seems to me like this you know, this is almost a project in itself, overseeing all these different types of projects. Yeah. Well, absolutely, is. <laughs> uh, it absolutely is. That's called portfolio management. Right, um, yeah. So yeah, absolutely is organisations. Um, you know that um, you know as a nice uh, segue there, Chris. Uh, I, th- I think almost deliberate. I'm not entirely convinced, but I no never, I'd never do anything deliberately. <laughs> no, no, that's a policy of yours, isn't it? Um, um, uh, yeah, that is actually a service that um, right, FISTEP okay. provides as okay. part of our PMO services, portfolio management. Well, there you go. I didn't know that. But, yeah. uh, but, have to, but no, with all these projects again, so um, you know, how do you, you prioritise? I mean, everyone presumably thinks that their project's the most important one. Uh, absolutely. And I, I guess that um, you've got, um, you know, the, 
the Spartacus syndrome, as I like to call it. You know, I'm 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 number one. Um, you know, I'm priority number one. No, I'm priority number one. You know, every yeah. project is priority number one. Yeah. And what does that mean? It means that no pro- projects are priority one because everyone is then in the melee and in the in the swamp of trying to. Um, uh, obtain the resources, obtain the budget, or obtain um, you know whatever's necessary to actually get the project um, off the ground and running. So, you know, you need good IT governance. Yeah, there's a phrase for this, isn't there? I mean, when everything is top priority, then nothing is top priority. Absolutely, yeah. But so, how does this, you know, how does it manifest itself in this way then? Well, it um, it it's typically that um, um, the uh, resources will ha- uh, be swapped around between uh, projects a lot. Um, you know, you'll have uh, two top um, priority projects that will be stopped and swapping resources. Now, sometimes you can actually manage that well, and you know, you'll have key resources you have to swap between projects, and that's um, that can be managed well. But it's where projects are being delayed by um, a lack of resources or a lack of recognition of those resources. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, surely you can just, you know, you can work at a weekend now. You can, you know, but people can take their laptops home at night and work until 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock in the morning and just, you know, catch up then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I'm a hard taskmaster. But, uh, but it's amazing, Chris, because you're a hard taskmaster, but not a hard, hard task doer. Listen, for, you know, everyone recognises that projects sometimes have to work, you know, and project teams have to work a little bit harder sometimes, um, you know, just, uh, you know, for that final, you know, push across the line, uh, for example. But it's not sustainable. And the thing is that many projects have been running on that, um, you know, we can work the weekends, we'll, you know, stretch the day a little bit, we'll, you know, um, we'll come in early, those kind of things. Um, uh, you know, those kind of things have, um, are, 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 for some organisations, you know, just normal ways of working. And that means there's still not that flexibility. Right. And it's not sustainable. You burn your teams out that way around. Can technology help in any way? I mean, are there, are there particular apps that you can get on an iPhone or on your Mac or, or even other tools or and, systems? Yeah, there, there, are, um, there are ways and means of organising, helping teams organise better, that's for sure. Um, you know, where where the problem is a lack of organisation, there's definitely things that uh, can help project managers and programme managers in that way. And, um, you know, things like uh, Trello boards, for example, mm. um, uh, they're very, very powerful ways of... Um, of working, you know, as well as the traditional Microsoft Project and the cloud versions of uh, you know project management software, those can help organisations and project managers organise people better and to recognise and even to report the challenges that they're having or to demonstrate the, uh, pictorially the challenges that they're having. But it doesn't necessarily get you over the hump of, um, you know, we are constrained. We need to. Uh, we need either additional resources or we need better governance to actually help us um, do sure. the job. So there's no signs of an artificially intelligent project manager on the horizon. No, not that I've seen yet, Chris. No. <laughs> so, um, so how does you know, how does the market know when you when when you're not delivering? Well, markets do know. I mean, uh, you know, in small markets, um, you, you know, where you've got uh, peers who start to recognise that you're not delivering, um, that can be a damage to your reputation. Um, you know, it's it's not good news if um, if the market starts to, um, you know, 
uh, come up to you either, you know, you bump into someone who works for a competitor or, you know, either yeah. at a conference or a lunchtime or something like that. And they say, oh, your projects, you know, project XYZ is going badly. Um, that's not good news when the market starts to, uh, to report that, particularly when it's true. Um, you know, if it's, um, if it's just a rumor and it's not true, then obviously you can, um, you can, you can say that. You can say that anyway, of course. Yeah, of course. Um, but, um, you know, when it's actually true, that's not good news because that means that the, the news is leaking out. And that has an impact. That has an impact on your organization's ability to uh, represent itself well in the market, but also to employ uh, people who actually may be able to help you get the job done uh, more efficiently in future. It must be in a, in a, in a famously t- tight-knit market, like I said, a London insurance market. That must be particularly the case, I imagine. I mean, do you... Have you seen yeah, examples absolutely. where, where, that, where yeah. that's good? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, it's very often common knowledge, um, um, as you say, particularly in the London insurance market, which, you know, um, along with banking, occupies, yeah. you know, the yeah. square mile um, in London and, um, you know, the insurance sector, you know, uh, really surrounds um, Leadenhall Market. Um, so, it, you know, people um, lunch together, they have coffee together, they have, um, you, know, um, you know, meetings together um, and... News gets out, you know. News just gets out. It, mm. uh, it leaks, and it's a you know it's a reputational risk for organisations. So, um, so make sure that you're um, recognising recognising those signs. And if you're if you're hearing that one of your projects is under stress and that's news to you, then obviously you need to go back and check. You know that it's not just a, a malicious rumour kind of thing, um, but um, you know take those signs and signals as um, as something that you can act upon. We're in obviously pretty famously volatile times, I suppose, at the moment. With um, in terms of you know, the world's geopolitics, and you got something like you know, Brexit coming along. Would you say? Would you say Brexit is maybe the the biggest project on people's radar at the moment? Or, or For some organisations, yeah. it definitely is, Chris, um, because you've got. Some organisations are going to be moving locations, some are moving from London, some are moving to London or expanding into London as well. Um, but those who are uh, leaving London, let's take that as an example for the moment, um, you know, there's, a, um, there's going to be change if they're contemplating um, leaving or they're actually going through the process of leaving at the moment. And there are some who are doing that, um, you know, who are, are looking to uh, base themselves um, in, in Europe. Um, yep. and, and that's not uh, you know that's not me saying that uh, Brexit is doom and gloom because I really don't believe that it is. I think there's a massive opportunity for London and for the UK from uh, from uh, from Brexit. So making sure that um, the organisations have the bandwidth to be able to do and to be responsive to the change that they need to make, um, so that they can seize these opportunities, both in Brexit and uh, more generally, you know, it's important. That's why you know that's why teams need a little bit of bandwidth. Not all the time. You can't afford to have lots of bandwidth in your in your team. You need them working hard for you, but equally, you don't need them burnt out from working weekends and working late. You know, the, what I'd like to call is the Chris Don approach to uh, <laughs> to task. The red-eyed approach. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, how, well, how do you see the signs? You know, um, if your if your project team is overwhelmed, are there, are there telltale signs? Yeah, well, some of those that we've already mentioned, um, but really, it's about um, listening to those um, signals and signs, understanding what they mean. Um, you know, look at the project reports. Make sure that project reporting is getting done. That's another sign, I would say. If project reporting is becoming sporadic, or it's going from you know red, um, you know green to red to amber to red, um, you know there may be some underlying problems there where the project manager either needs more support, um, perhaps some perhaps some guidance and mentoring in some instances. Yeah. Um, but they need some help uh, to actually get the project. Um, 
uh, you know, under control or um, get it to the point where, where it's delivering the business value that it was intended to. In the past, I mean, you know, you know, we've talked about sort of flex up or flex down sort of approaches to mm. sorts of things. But is this one of those areas where you could apply more, you know, your sort of co-sourced or flexible strategy? Yeah, it is. Um, because many organisations, I think, um, uh, think quite two-dimensionally. In, in respect to their resources. Um, they think, uh, okay, well, I need a, a full-time employee. Now, that full-time employee may work shorter hours, but they need a, you know, a former full-time employee. Yeah. Um, or they need a contract, uh, a contractor, you know, so someone that they're going to bring in just for three months. Now, uh, the fifth step approach to this is actually to have um, flexible and fractional resourcing. Right. So you can have um, someone, you can perhaps have a project manager for just two days a week if that's what your project demands, if that's what's actually going to help. And that may be that um, you know, a fifth step project manager provides additional resource. Um, it may be that they're actually running the project and it's just a light touch project, but it's too much work for um, the existing team. Now, there are other ways you can do uh, that you can do this, but that's our flexible and fractional approach okay. um, that we think and, you know, and our clients think uh, really works for them okay so uh, so what is uh, so what's project governance then what's all that about well project governance is um about um having a process that identifies those projects that um that are going to utilize your um your organization's meager resources uh, and uh, i say meager you know i don't mean that in that um you know this only applies to small organizations even if you're a large enterprise your resources uh, are still going to be under under pressure because there's more to be done in a larger organization very often mm -hmm. so um having project governance is about Having a process um, where projects are reviewed and approved, um, so that they get the resources that are required, they get the budget, you know, including the budget and the people, and the time to actually deliver, um, and that there's a, a process of um, tracking to understand that those pro projects are delivering the value um, that they were supposed to um, deliver. I suppose that's where the art in, in this is, because there must be a, a real danger that you might just misallocate your resources or. You know. Mis misapply your, your resources well, and, and um, a key to project governance is that this isn't a one and done decision um, so projects need to report back on a regular basis and if they're running into, into difficulties or if it's now decided that actually they're not going to meet the project or uh, deliver the, uh, the benefits that the project was originally um, said to deliver or if those uh, benefits are no longer as valuable to the organisation as once was thought then actually the project should be um, you know, change, have its scope changed or perhaps even cancelled if it's no longer as valuable or appropriate to the organisation. Right, well, I think uh, we need to have a special Chris Don project at some point to, uh, uh, <laughs> to, to allocate resources in a way that should... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what is a case study of how, case not to do it. how not to do it? <laughs> but, on, but on that bombshell, uh, I think that probably concludes uh, today's podcast. I think it probably does, Chris, and um, hopefully the sound quality is a little bit better than uh, the one, some of the ones we've done more recently yes, in our, in in our, our podcasting booth. In our new Bijou podcasting booth. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Right, if yeah. we get out the live, that's the thing, that's what worries me. Right. Well, if um, yeah, if listeners um, uh, suspect we may not have got out alive, if they can tweet and let others know that we're perhaps still stuck well, in the podcast. In fact, that's a good point. If they tweet to at Fifth Step, um, that would be the, the on, on our on our new our Twitter feed. That's one one area that they could uh, help us out. Absolutely, and please, um, uh, for those of you who are listening already, you perhaps already subscribed to the podcast. If not, please do so. You can find it on iTunes or any other uh, place where um, good uh, podcasts are syndicated. And 
if you think um, this podcast or others uh, within the series might be of interest to others, please do recommend uh, them to uh, you know friends and family, um, you know loved ones, enemies, anyone that uh, you think might uh, actually benefit from it. I uh, would really appreciate that and. Also, do provide feedback. Um, you know, either as uh, Chris said uh, via Twitter, you can always uh, reach out to uh, me, uh, Darren Ray, on um, LinkedIn or on on Twitter personally. Um, we'd really uh, appreciate the feedback, and uh, it helps us. Actually, um, I had some feedback the other day from my dad. He said he listened to a, a podcast on the Fourth Industrial Revolution. Excellent. And I asked him what he thought of it, and he said interesting. Interesting. Oh, well, okay, well, uh, perhaps we ought to bring him in and interrogate him to work out exactly what that means. <laughs> no, I think you liked it, but uh, anyway, who knows. But, uh, okay, so that's it. That concludes today's. And thanks, Darren. Also, the other area you might want to look at is obviously the Fifth Sense area of the of the Fifth Step website. So if you go to www.fifthstep.com, um, we have a special blogging page where we talk about a lot of the things that we've covered today. So thanks for your time, Darren. Thanks very much, Chris. And bye to Chris's dad. Thank you.